Welcome to the Sand Hills Media Ministry. We hope this production encourages and challenges you to live a more Christ-centered life. Welcome back to the Sand Hills Podcast uh, for Episode 8 of Season 4. This is a really sensitive time in our country as the Supreme Court ruling has just come out, and we already had it on the schedule to talk about faith and politics. And so this is actually a really great conversation that we get to have with Pastor Malcolm. Uh, and so this was a really heartfelt conversation. We really got into it. We, we bring up abortion, we bring up politics, and we bring up how to view those things in light of faith and where we should place our supreme value. We understand that this conversation um, could be very sensitive for some listeners, and so we ask that you would extend grace to us as we have this conversation, as we try and approach it with our pure heart's desire of not bringing any kind of agenda from any political uh, side, but bringing a faith-filled agenda that is completely based in Scripture and offered to Christ as our lead and as our example. We hope that this conversation helps you do the same. Mm. And I think that's why we can't get caught up when people don't see things the way we see them. You know, people are going to do what they want to do, but it's my job to still love people and love my neighbor, whether they agree with me or not. No, the only time you're really going to be free and fulfilled is when, as a created being, you begin to walk in the way that he's created you to operate. But what you do need to do is just be a faithful representation of what you believe. Live it, live it boldly, don't hedge on anything, and just simply be who you are for the sake of Christ and the gospel and the church. And don't think about it in terms of like, did I make sure that they understood that I think they're wrong? In every generation, we need to evangelize the church. There is no Christian culture. Christianity is the message of God's Son sacrificed on the cross for our salvation. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to choose him or not? And I often tell people, people don't leave church because of God. Mm -hmm. They leave because of other people. All right, Malcolm, welcome back to the show. Here. Thanks for be being here. on, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. This is this is probably, I think, one of the most prevalent misconceptions. As we've been going through this whole season, we're talking about misconceptions. You know, we talked about science. That's been in the conversation yeah. for a long time. We yeah. talked about, um, you know, mental health. That's been the conversation for a long time. And, of course, politics have been in the conversation for a long time. But it's especially now, and especially in light of the Supreme Court ruling being leaked early yeah. about Roe v. Yeah. Wade, this brings Christianity and politics mm -hmm. and the misconception that if you're a Christian, you have to be a conservative Republican is the big one that I'm hearing right now. Yeah, I just yeah. saw a reel this morning that someone shared and it said, I don't care if you're a Christian. I don't care what you think your mythic book says. I don't care about your made up values. You hate women and you're mm. trying to kill them. Mm. And I was just like, I was stunned and I was angry and I was upset. And I was like, they're just assuming that because I'm a Christian, that I have, that I am a conservative Republican politician doing this. Yeah. And that's not to say that, you know, I am or I'm not, but it's just that idea that instantly, without a shadow of a doubt, if you believe this, this is what you are. Right. And so I want to talk about that. Talk about the misconception of Christianity and politics and 
bringing those together or separating them how do we do that so i mean i mean that's just a literal example of how how i've heard it recently yeah, yeah. this morning how have you heard it come up you know i've, I've normally i think let me just be honest as a, as an african american man in this country you used to being labeled and having a narrative given to you just based mm. on the color of your skin and and so i think now it's funny you bring this up because now people kind of getting that experience mm. albeit at a at a a different kind of level yeah yeah of being labeled you just because you're you're a christian mm-hmm. and now you're a christian white male mm-hmm. you get the label as oh you don't like women yeah you know and stuff like that so i've heard it um i've heard it not only in the media but also abroad in other countries mm. uh where there is this misconception where they equate um well if you're american you're christian and mm. if you're christian then you have certain value systems that are very individualistic in nature where you're not really concerned about the welfare of other people. Mm. Um, because for them, we tend to, there's this misconception or maybe sometimes a reality that we force Western culture and Western ideologies on other countries. And so, but also I think it's been a thought that's perpetuated through the majority culture. Mm. And so in every, I think, misconception, there's a hint of truth mm. that exists. And so part of it is what have we uh, contributed to this misconception to give it legs? And yeah. so I think there's a, a there's a little bit of truth in there. But um, and so I, it gets muddy, man. And it's not. And I know this podcast we won't be able to tackle that in thirty minutes, or even an hour. This is a, right. a significant issue. Yeah. Um, but I've even heard other people who are Christian and Christian white men that always have to defend their Christianity. Mm. Um, because they get that label real quick. Yeah. Um, and now, but I think also Christian men, no matter what your ethnicity is, we're under attack because there's this thought that, okay, if you are a Christian man, then you're domineering. You're pretty much a dictator. Mm. You know, everybody else sucks. Yeah. Uh, if I can say that on the podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, so yeah, so I've heard the misconception in the church, outside the church, in this country and abroad. Wow. I mean, it, and, and where do you think that that starts historically? I mean, well, Christianity and politics, I mean, it it goes back a long way, mm-hmm. right? And so we're talking about, I believe, 317 A.D., Constantine, uh, when he made the faith his own, now all of a sudden that permeates through everything. Because he's, he's emperor. Reigning, yeah. Right. So everybody's doing it, right? Everybody's, it's this is the faith. Right. It's fashionable to become a Christian right. all of a sudden. Right, yeah. yeah. People put in positions mm-hmm. who are who are Christians and followers of Christ. I think in this country, though, you begin to see, uh, I would say around the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. uh, politics in Christianity, especially conservative Christianity, mm. really kind of rise up. And here's what I mean. You had you had those who were conservatives uh that really voiced their opinion about you know, uh, pro-life, mm-hmm. but also they really voiced their opinion about segregation. Mm. And these were individuals who all of a sudden there was a shift to the modern Republican party because they didn't really want, um, schools to be desegregated. They, they enjoyed being separate, but mm-hmm. equal. And so a lot of folks, uh, started, you know, you had a lot of white private schools being created, Christian private schools being created, mm. And so, so you see, I think there was good intent, but there were still some ungodly implications that came out of it. Mm. But I think that just goes to show that 
whether you're a conservative Christian, liberal Christian, you can have some good intent. Mm-hmm. But because we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity, mm-hmm. there's also yeah. some bad stuff that's going to come out of it. Because how can you, you know, be in favor of, you know, pro-life, mm-hmm. and yet you're also pro-slavery? Yeah. You know, you're against diversity. You don't want communities coming together. Right. So you can see how people can say, you know, there's a hint of truth in it. I yeah. mean, you think about people who come to church, hadn't been to church in a while, and they feel like when I walked in, somebody's judging me. Mm. And we try to defend. We're not judging you. They probably got side-eye from somebody. Yeah. There's a hint of truth in there. And so I think um, I think the misconception probably started then uh, with good folks who had good intentions, um, who thought they were doing some really good things, but ethically it wasn't being lived out in a godly fashion. Yeah, which is... I mean, fascinating to think about that because civil rights movement is being led by a reverend. Right. You know, and now there's a, there's a monument to the reverend, Dr. King, right. in Washington, D.C. You know, and, and I think it's it's easy even to forget that, that there's faith playing a part in positive politics as well. Yeah. You know, that he's leading a civil rights movement, you know, and he's basing it off of scripture, we should all be created equal. And he looks at our constitution. He's saying, and this is what we said we stood for. So why isn't it true? Right. So again, again, you can have it written down. Yeah. And every, but the practice of it. Mm. And, and let me say this, you know, I get uh, the idea of people wanting to hold on to traditional moral values. Right. But there are times when our traditional moral values don't align with the Bible. Mm. And so even in this idea of conservative Christianity or being a conservative uh, Republican or just conservative in general. Sure. Um, there's this idea that, you know, government shouldn't be involved in everything. So limited government mm-hmm. um, where capitalism and the private sector thrives. People have individual responsibilities to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. But yet in Acts 2, 42 through 47, we see the people of God coming together and helping each other as one had need. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, oh, you're struggling Sorry, you got to help yourself. Right. There was a communal aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And so you see, yeah, even in our uh, being a conservative Republican, you can have these traditional values and ideologies mm-hmm. that may not always line up with the biblical text. Right. And I think that's how misconception starts. When you start tainting the truth, mm. then people, you, you muddy the waters and people don't know what's truth from the lie. Yeah. So, yeah. So, does scripture ever address kind of the con- the confluence of politics with faith when these things come together? Does scripture address that? Oh yeah, without a doubt. You, so, you know, Jesus is having a conversation uh, with these religious leaders in Matthew 22 about taxes mm-hmm. and should taxes be paid? And he says, you know, we'll give to Caesar what is Caesar's mm. and give to God what is God's. And so this idea that on this denarius you had Caesar's image on it, he's like, Hey, that's got his image on it. That belongs to him. Yeah. So give to him what he's owed. But on you is the image of God. Mm. So give to God what is God's. Give to him yourself. Yeah. Right? And so that's the beginning of it, I think. But then also Paul kind of then begins to flesh that out in Romans 13. We talks about government and this idea of how we are to submit to government. And so naturally you start to see it in the Gospels but also in the epistles. Yeah. Uh, the the bridging of faith in politics. Yeah. And you see a really fascinating 
thing in Paul as well that he never brings up being a Roman citizen until the very moment that he needs to in order to continue advancing yeah. the gospel. Because yeah. there's just a kid coming, he's like, ah, Roman citizen, can't kill me, yeah. and I appeal to Caesar. Yeah. And he so he's very clearly aware of his rights, the nation state that he's yes. in, the rights that he has. But he's not just walking around and using that as the basis for everything he's doing. He's using his freedom in Christ as the basis for everything. And he'll reach into the Roman citizenship aspect when he needs to. Correct. So like even so just taking that in Romans 13, notice the context of it is that this is a very volatile government, right? Very oppressive towards those who are are, are followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so what he's not saying is this is how you respond when government does something and you don't like it. I'm yeah. not telling you to riot. I'm not telling you to protest. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just telling you this is how you submit to the authority so that you can live the way God has called you to live under this regime. Mm. And so we realize this is that according to Romans 13, God instituted government. So there's a divine nature that goes with it. Yeah. Although the people in it may not be divine, the institution itself is to still be respected. Yeah. And so then you go back even as early as I think in, in Daniel and, and when in Nebuchadnezzar and he says, you know, Hey, this is the idea. God will raise up a King, kick him out and raise up another King. Mm-hmm. He, he will continue to do what he's got to do. So even though the government may be something we don't like, the government does not supersede the authority and sovereignty of God. Mm. So as Christians, we have to realize when a law is passed and we don't like it, God is still in control. Yeah. Though he's using, he's allowed corrupt people to make bad decisions, and sometimes good ones, mm-hmm. he's still the one that's ultimately in charge. Yeah. I think sometimes we forget that God is still sovereign, and he's working everything out for the good, even though the government may not be good at the time. Yeah. And that gets us into, I think, something that uh, is said in First Peter. And what made me think about it this morning as well is, you see that the 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 example that Christ has set before us, and I love the word used in First Peter when he says example. It's a Greek word that uh, literally means that a, a father would put his finger in the sand and would start writing words, and his son would put his finger in the same spot and trace it back. Right. That's the example, and so he's literally to do exactly what it is, and it says that Jesus has left for us an example that we might follow in right. it. And when they reviled him, he did not revile in return. When they spoke evil of him, he did not speak evil back, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Like Correct. none of these things. And this morning when I saw that reel, mm-hmm. man, did I want to go off. Because I was mad. <laughs> I was so angry. And literally, yeah. it just hit me where he's like, he didn't revile back. Neither can you. Right. Because they don't get it. And they they're waiting for it. They're waiting for you to do it. They want you to do it. Because they then they can say, fight. see? Mm-hmm. See how those people are? See how they are? Mm-hmm. And so I would say, you know, to, to my conservative friends uh, who are conservative politically, if there's a decision made, you don't like it, don't repay that evil for evil. Mm. Don't lash out. Pray. Mm-hmm. Seek the Lord's face. But then do what you believe God's called you to do. Mm-hmm. Because at the same time, Romans 13 talks about submitting to government. We can't take this, this passage um, outside of 
the whole canon of scripture. We have to look at it in light of all of scripture. So there are times when, you know, I think in Acts, they're going to preach the gospel they're told not to. And they do it anyway. Yeah. Because at the same, yeah, we're called to submit to government, but we submit first and foremost to God and his agenda. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be aware that, you know, if the government's doing something we don't like and it violates our conscience, we're still called to, to do, do what right. God has called us to do. Mm -hmm. But that means we have to be willing to accept the consequences of it. Yeah. But the consequences don't compare to the glory Amen. that we receive later on. And so I think that is not a blind submission to government. You know, you submit, but like you said, within the government of our country, there's so many different ways to voice your opinion. You know, and so you have to be a part of that whole process. Yeah. And I was having a great conversation with a friend about this, and he asked me, and he said, you know, because we're talking about honor the emperor, mm -hmm. submit to the government, you know, that's all coming up in First Peter, you know, middle of two, beginning of three yeah. is really where Peter hits on it. And he said, so we're supposed to submit to government. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's what it says. And he goes, so then was the civil rights movement sinful because it was resisting government? I said, not at all. Because it was nonviolent, and they, when they were, when they did the sit-ins, they were arrested. And one of the greatest pieces of the civil rights movement is letter from a Birmingham right jail, right. And because he understood that, he saw the example, and he said, "I know this is wrong. I know what to do is right." And when they arrest me, they're going to arrest me, right. And he and like that mindset, because we want to be so aggressive when we know that we're right. right. But then the example set of. Look at Christ. He was arrested. He suffered under an unrighteous government that mm -hmm. had it completely wrong. He'd done nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. And then Peter says, do as he did and bless so that you can receive a right. blessing. Right. And that's that whole mindset of Jesus on the cross. Man, he, if I was Jesus, I would have gone off on him. I would have been what, like, you guys don't even realize. That's what he like, said, right? I, I could call these angels. I've I got, got my legions, crew. Legions. Legions of them. But I choose not to. I mean, and then, think about that. And then he's up there and he looks at him and he goes, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And that's his heart and mindset right. when dealing with a corrupt world. And then we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus Correct. in our communities. Correct. And then how often do we get distracted by wanting to be in control of what right. the government is doing? Right. So when the government does something that we believe violates the biblical text and our Christian moral and values, mm -hmm. the proper response is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. because they don't too often we're expecting the government to be mm. godly mm. you know this is not a godly system i mean god has authorized it he's allowed it to yeah but it's not perfect and he can work with it he can, he can he's you look at the babylon he blessed them right right but we have an expectation of something mm. we we want heaven right now we want heaven on earth right now and for it to be right and that's a different so we're no different than the Jews when they wanted the Romans to be overthrown. They're like, hey, we want, we want it right now. We want the king Messiah right now. And Jesus is like, my kingdom is not here. Mm. Like, this is not it. And so I think we just, man, we have to be very, very savvy in the way we do things. Even this idea of, of was king in the civil rights era, was that sinful? Well, the government allows for civil disobedience. Mm. He understood that. Yeah. Which made it even more powerful. Yeah. Because the natural response is to lash out in violence. Which, was, natural, the, which was the response to him. Right. Any natural person can be violent. Mm -hmm. It takes someone supernatural, infused, indwelt with the Holy Spirit, to not act out naturally. 
Mm. And that's the power of civil disobedience. That's the power of what could be a peaceful protest. Mm -hmm. It's just that when you get a couple of people and they don't want to be peaceful and they mess it up, now all of a sudden it becomes an issue. Mm -hmm. And so what we can't do is try to get perfection through chaos. If we're dealing with chaos, we can't bring more chaos and want perfection. If the world is chaotic, then we go to the perfect God who does all things perfectly and allow his perfect will to perfectly play out mm. in his perfect timing. Mm. I think one of the big questions with that is, would we rather see a political revolution in this country or a spiritual one? Yeah. Because that's what they were doing. Because you see, again, I mean, draw back to First Peter because that's what I'm studying right now. But he taught, he addresses slaves with masters. Right. And he says, look, if you got a master that's sideways and is doing horrible things, you're suffering well for the sake of the gospel. When you've done good and you're beaten for right. it. Right. You would, you would, we would look at that and want Peter to say, cut and run, man. Yeah. Get out of there. You know, and find a local church. Go there. But he doesn't. He's not, he's not trying to instigate a political revolution. Because you also have to remember right. in the mindset, Spartacus was only 150 years before this. Yeah. You know, and that's about as relevant as the Civil War is for us. I mean, if someone starts whistling Dixie and flying Confederate flags, what do we start thinking about? We're like, are you trying to start this again? <laughs> right, right. And so if he had gone in and they had tried to bring a political revolution, the devastation that that would have brought, but they're saying, no, God is greater than the political revolution. We're bringing a spiritual revolution. Right. And what you can do by suffering unjustly mm -hmm. is win someone over to Christ and better to win them to Christ than to have yeah. a comfortable life. Yeah, political revolutions only last the lifetime of the people mm. who are who are involved. But a spiritual revolution, I mean, you're talking about an eternal Eternity. legacy, mm. right, that, that has way more implications than we could imagine. Mm -hmm. And so I think we get to the point where we can't get so caught up in politics. And I get it's important. Yeah. If it was, it's in Scripture, so it's mm -hmm. important. It is. It's something I think, God is like, yo, this is something that's that's needed. But at the same time, it can't be preeminent. We can't make it an idol. Mm. I think too often that's what we do. There's this, this syncretism comes in. And when people say, well, you have to be uh, conservative in your politics in order to be a Christian. Okay, now we, we've added. Now we're adding to the mm. gospel. Mm. Because that's no, that's, being uh, a Republican or Democrat is not in Romans 13. You don't see that added anywhere else in terms of salvation. It's not, you know... By grace and politics, you're saved. Mm -hmm. That's no in it. So we're adding stuff to it. And that's, I think, that's what leads to the misconception. And so what the world is saying is that they're saying, Christians, we've muddied this stuff. We've messed it up. So they're not seeing the genuine, authentic love of Christ lived out. What they're saying is, okay, yeah, you say you love Jesus, but now you're hating. Mm. You're treating people unjust. You know, you're being unjust in treatment of women. You're doing this, you're doing that. It's like, we got to own up to that. And here's the thing. No matter if you're conservative or liberal, you've contributed to it. Mm. I've contributed to it. You, we've all contributed to the issue. Yeah. And so the only way to fix it, we got to confess, okay, yep, I've done some things. Mm -hmm. I've either voted or not voted. You know, I've mm -hmm. either endorsed or not endorsed. I've either said or not said. I've labeled or not labeled. I've done some things to contribute to this. Mm. And now the world is looking at us like, and that's you want me to follow mm. the God you serve when this is the way you talk to me? Yeah. This is the way you treat me? Mm. So we got to do a lot of, I think, 
heart reflection, heart reflection, some self discovery, kind of just like, okay, what what part have we played in this whole process? Again, I'm not saying being conservative or liberal is wrong. Right. What I'm saying is it has to be more about Jesus than right. politics. And is it submitted to Jesus? Right. And before political theories. Right. Yeah. I mean, both have yeah both have good views, mm-hmm. and both have bad views. Jesus is able to balance it all perfectly. Yeah. So if we want the perfect balance, we got to the we, we need to go, go to Jesus. the one who can mm-hmm. do it. But too often we don't do that. There is a great quote I saw this morning, and I'm I feel bad that I can't remember <laughs> who who said it. But you can just Google it. Yeah, if yeah. you're listening to this, you're gonna find out. <laughs> Google is amazing. But it said, "How can we convince the unbelieving world that a God that they can't see loves them, when a church that they can see barely tolerates them?" Right. That's deep. And it's like, that's deep. That's huge. That's deep. We're like we're called to be the representation of Christ mm-hmm. on earth, mm-hmm. and we can so quickly turn to repaying evil for evil. Right. And revile for revile, and speak in a, a, a bad word when they speak a bad word first, mm-hmm. because it's so easy. It's so easy. It's the natural human it's response. So easy, man. And even when Satan tempts Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus doesn't just go off on him, right? Right, and just be like, "Dude, like." And if somebody could, it could have been him. Yeah. If somebody could have done it, he was but the he one. Always responded with scripture, right? He set everything in his mind on the word of God and let everything in his life reflect that. Right. And I love Dr. Johnson was on the show last week. Mm-hmm. And I loved one of the things he said. He said, I've recently started, you know, he's like, I've written down my core values, you know, as a, as a Christian, as a, as a husband, as and you know, he's talking about these core values. And he right. goes, I think he said twice a day or maybe three times mm. a day. He stops and he analyzes everything he's done against those core values right. and he adjusts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, that's a great, you know, practical way to do that. But it's yeah. how often it becomes so easy to just slip into yeah. the rut of, well, we're just following this political party because we can see the results. We can taste the results. You know, we can put everything onto these things because we get it now. Right. Versus a heavenly kingdom that's coming that will be perfect. And that ruler... Yeah. You know, we'd rather see our ruler now than the one we're promised. Right. Well, it's funny. It's you get the ideas as you're talking. I'm thinking, you know, how do you navigate through this? Let's say if you are. You're pro-life. Mm-hmm. That's what's really going on right now. Yeah, that's a big issue. And you're talking with women who are pro-choice. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you love them through that? without coming across disrespectful, you know, without condoning the lifestyle, without condoning the choice. And I think that, for a lot of people, that, that's so hard because it's like, I know the impact of the decision you're going to make, how bad it's going to be, mm-hmm. but you can't see it. It's almost like a parent and a child. I, I yeah. know what the bad is about to come. But I think here's the thing. The world is the world. And I've said it on a previous podcast, we always expect worldly people to be godly, mm. which is weird Whack. in and of itself, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I think you have to journey with those people. You have to walk with them. I mean, Jesus walked with the disciples for a while, and they, they fully didn't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think sometimes if we're praying and saying, Lord, these are my values. 
And I believe my values are rooted in scripture. Would you give me the opportunity to share these values with people in a way where I'm starting to multiply myself in them, where I'm mm-hmm. reproducing you in them? And not just me. And not just and not just me. So now I'm going to love, I love those folks, you know, and let's say they end up making that decision and having an abortion, mm. which may have some serious emotional, mental ramifications. Yeah. And God calls you to go in and minister to them. And instead of beating them up, you shouldn't have been doing this. You shouldn't have been doing it. No, let me just love you. Mm. you you're already down. I'm not going to kick you while you're down. Let me just love you and restore you. Let me point you to the one who can bring ultimate healing. Mm. And I think that's why we can't get caught up when people don't see things the way we see them. You know, people are going to do what they want to do. But it's my job to still love people and love my neighbor, whether they agree with me or not. Mm. Um, and so I think we got to get back to that even though it can be tough. Yeah. yeah. That is, I think, such a powerful way. That, that is the, the, the way to fix the misconception is to love as we have first been loved. Right. Because you see the people that Jesus brings around a table, the people that Jesus calls tax collectors, the scum of the earth, mm-hmm. you know, to, to the Jewish people, you know, these Roman tax collectors and these sinners and these harlots and these lepers, how dare Jesus walk with them? Right. And this was a spiritual elite looking at Jesus right. and saying, we got to get rid of this guy. These are the conservatives. I mean, think about it. They I are mean, very, very, very much so. Yeah. And Jesus calls some of them. Yeah. And he calls some zealots. Yeah. And he, and he call, you know, he, he's pulling from all areas because he values everyone. Everyone. Everyone, regardless of background, lifestyle, has the ability to come into the family of God and, and experience redemption Politics, for God's glory. You, because, yeah. I mean, you look at a zealot. Yep. And you look at a Roman centurion. Both coming to Christ. Right. And him giving them life. Both experience transformation. And though you could not get more opposite than that. Right. They're fighting each other. Yeah. <laughs> right. But he's brought them together as brothers. Think about that. I mean, so it... it <laughs> It's convicting too. It's like, so I have to realize that when I engage with certain people, I may be the closest thing to Jesus that they may ever see. Mm. I have to make him attractive. Yeah. I have to make the light of Christ shine. I want people to, when they engage with me, like, wow, like he gets it. He really loves me. Mm. Now, what you do with the gospel, that's on you once I give it to you. But you'll never stand in front of Jesus on that day of judgment and say, oh, well, Malcolm mistreated me. Mm. You, you, you never, that, that's my prayer that nobody will be able to use me as an excuse for why they, why they didn't come to faith. Why they didn't come to faith. Mm. And we got to think about, there's a bigger vision, there's a bigger uh, agenda than what we see in terms of government. And I get, we, some of us want, everybody wants low taxes, no taxes, mm. you know, Amen. high taxes. <laughs> it, it, we get, it gets, it's a lot of issues. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we can't worry about it. You can't take it with you anyway. Hmm. Who's the, who's our ultimate provider? Is it the government? Or is, is it, it or is it the Lord? Hmm. Who's our ultimate source? Who do we put our who do we put the most faith in? Right. Who do we put our hope in? Exactly. Who do we put our literal, you know, capital into? Correct. What are we donating to? Right. What what are we empowering? What are we really doing? 
when the rubber meets the road, mm. who are we really serving? Who do we really worship? So, you know, for people who, who are watching this and you're like, you're you're a Biden supporter and you get upset because he's not doing something. Where, where, where's your faith, really? Mm. Last time I checked, when, when Biden dies, he done. Mm-hmm. He, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, he's never turned water into wine. He's never made blind people see. Like he, he's limited. Why do we continue to put our faith in imperfect people? In human leaders. Now we know it. We read the scriptures. We get it. But when we live it out, our practice doesn't line up with what we know. And so we got to get to the point where we have to stop labeling people and just start loving them. Yeah. Even when they label us. Yeah. We still got to love. I saw this uh, billboard in uh, Florida on my way down to, to speak at a church. And it said, only God and Donald Trump. Oh, sorry about that. Did I fix Uh-oh. that? We had a little mic problem there. That's my fault. You sound good right now. Here we go. But it said, only God and Donald John Trump can save this country. See. And I saw that and I said, you got one part of that right. Right. Only God can save this country. But he won't do it the way that you're expecting if that's the kind of thing that you're supporting. Correct. And then the way that he does do it, you may, I mean, you might be upset with who he's calling to the table right. to become your brother and sister. Now, mind you, the church thrives when there's oppression. Hmm. See, I, I don't know if we really understand that, that the New Testament church thrived under oppression. An incredibly oppressive state. Just growing. So, in our desire to be comfortable, in our desire to be safe and have everything go our way, God is like, that's, that's not how this thing works. Mm. Most times we respond better under oppression. Mm. So, could it be that things will happen in this country, and, it, it, and let's say it gets worse, and God allows it to get worse because he wants to set a fire, a renewed fire mm. under the feet of his people, to go out and be his ambassadors and love the unlovable. That's right. You know, be there when people are at their worst state so that they can truly experience an authentic relationship with Christ. Yeah. We're not just sitting back saying, see, I told you what happened. Mm-hmm. You people get what you deserve. No. Mm. It's the world. The world is what the world is. We have to be the antidote. We are, we have the solution. Mm. But if we're too busy playing the, the po- political games, People never see it. And I think that's a fascinating aspect because some people will look at the church and state and say it's absolutely necessary for the church and state to have a deep relationship in order for the church to survive. Yeah. And I heard a, a, a local leader talking about this. They're saying if our candidate doesn't get elected, then this spiritual organization is going to get shut down and we're going to be outlawed. So we have to support, yeah. we got to pull our full backing behind this candidate. And I'm like, so you're telling me that the institution that you run is spiritually focused and you believe God has called you to do it. Yet you're not willing to trust God with that, that if he's calling that he can provide for it, even if your candidate doesn't get elected. Right. You're saying that mm-hmm. the success and continuance of something spiritual is completely reliant on someone political. I'm like, oof, I don't know about that. Right. Tell that to tell it to the church in China. Exactly. Tell it to them. I mean Tell it in North Korea right. where they're hiding in basements right. and just so excited to even have a Bible if they can get one. Right. 
I mean, it's man of the gates of hell won't prevail. What do you think a political party is going to do? Right. Like, there's no way. It's because we get so we're right. so nearsighted. We are. We're so nearsighted. We we have been indoctrinated, man, with with Western culture. We think you know we need certain leaders in place for this to happen. You know, it's like well, if this person gets in in the office, all of a certain now the church has to pay taxes, and the church has to do this, and the church has to. The mission of the church has nothing to do with taxes mm. or tax breaks. Mm-hmm. The mission of the church is to make disciples. Mm. And the church is not the building. The church is the people. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what the, the government will, does. You yeah. can't take the gospel out of me and I'm going to proclaim it. That's even right. if it means I lose my life for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like this is this is what we live for. Yeah. And the so, buildings are going to get torn down. Yeah. They're going to get outlawed. They're going to get closed. But the word of God will remain forever. Amen. And so if I hide the word in my heart, not only that I would not sin against the Lord, but that now I don't, if you take this away, it's so much in me, mm. I could just proclaim it. Amen. And people still get saved. And so we, again, it goes back to the sovereignty of God. If we start thinking that we need government and the state for the church to exist, we've put more authority in them mm. than the God we serve. So let me ask you, I mean, we hear this. Mm-hmm. We live in a in a hyper political society, one that values individual freedom, choice, and participation in the political process. Right, founded on that idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it a sin to participate in the political process when it's so corrupt, as we've been talking about? How when it's a, it's a wicked institution, is it sinful to participate in it? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Uh, the reason being, again, we see Jesus talk about it. We see, you know, the Apostle Paul write about it. Peter, he's talking about government and politics. You think about Esther. Esther <laughs> gets involved in the political system. She does. And Very God deeply. called her for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. So she think, saves the people from genocide because she has the ear of the king. Right. And so what I think, we have to be more, we have to be more involved in it. Mm. If we want the system to be godly, then we need more godly people in the system that will hold on to truth and live it out no matter what. Mm. But I think the issue is you have good people that love the Lord, that go into politics, sometimes only to get corrupted by the system. We need people that go in and say, you know, I'm not going to let the system corrupt me. Yeah. And if I only serve a couple, one term, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But I want to go in and get one thing done. But I think we need more people in the system. So I don't I don't think it's a sin to be a part of it. I don't think it's a sin to vote. Um, because I think it's something that if God has divinely orchestrated government, has appointed the leaders, then surely he doesn't, it's not an offense to him. Mm. The offense happens when the people who are in it don't live mm. by God's standards. And then the people who follow it elevate those leaders right above god right so then is it a sin not to participate in the political process i don't think it's a sin not to participate Mm. i I do think if you don't participate then you can't get upset when you see what the system and when you see the result Mm -hmm. like you can't say you can't get mad because you didn't be you weren't a part of the process the system allows all of us to be a part of the process yeah in some way shape or form um that is, unless you've done something illegal and, you know, you, you yeah, get those rights. A couple, rights. couple yeah, rules couple there. A couple rules there. <laughs> um, but I think if, if, if 
you know, I remember when people, you know, they didn't want to vote when it was, you know, uh, Donald Trump mm-hmm. and Hillary. Right. And yeah. I don't want to vote. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you don't vote, then you can't get mad. Yeah. And if you get mad, then that's just, you didn't vote. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it, we, it, we, we get the opportunity in this great country to be a part of the process. Yeah. Some places they don't get, a lot of places they don't get that opportunity. That's right. Let's take advantage of it. There is something, to give an example from my own life, I was a hyper-political person in, you know, late high school, early college. And this was around the 2016 primaries. And Marco Rubio was running. Dude, I loved Marco I like, Rubio. I like Rubio. He's got I like a swag Marco to him. Rubio. Yeah. Like, there's just something, you know, and, and I gave it was I gave money to him. Oh, you, you know? loved him for real. I got into it. You got into it. I, I gave money to the campaign. I watched all of his speeches. I went to one of his speeches. I got to, like, see him. And, yeah. and I was telling everyone the good news of Marco Rubio. <laughs> The gospel of Rubio. Dude, I was given it. Yeah. And then he failed. Yeah. And that night, as I listened to his concession speech, mm-hmm. I was like, what have I done? Mm. How many people could I have talked to about Christ? Right. How many people could I have talked to about, you know, hey, you know, this check out my church. You know, why don't you come you know, mm-hmm. hang out with us? You know, there's a really great group of people. Instead, I was saying, there's a really great candidate that you should know about. And I and I, I, I looked at my own heart and I realized I had elevated not just a politician, but the whole political process. Right. So I had, I had made that so much more important to my agenda when talking to someone I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I had elevated that over telling them about Christ. Right. And I just was so crushed when I realized that I had done that and I and I realized I have the freedom in Christ to set this aside because what I I, I take from that and uh when you see Paul talking about mm-hmm. hey if you want to eat meat that's been offered to idols that's fine if you don't want to eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols that's fine right he said you want to mark every day as holy? That's great. You want to mark one day as a little more holy than the others? That's great. That's great. And I realized, like, wow. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day I can get back into this and do it in a way that it's not going to pull me away from Christ. Right. But for right now, I have the freedom in Christ to set it aside for a time so I can focus on him yeah. and reorient myself on him. Yes. And I think that that's an important question that we should ask ourselves in our country is, I'm not saying give it up. I'm saying, let's check our hearts. Yeah, let's see if we've elevated this above God. Because if if your response is, I've and, and Trevor Castor said this, and it's in our intro song. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the clips that we've got. You know, playing during the music at the very intro of our podcast. Is he says, "Do we focus so much on making sure that they know that I think they're wrong, mm. or do we focus on making sure?" that they know that Christ loves them right. through how I just interacted with them. That's it. And I and as I was watching that reel, I had to catch myself. Because so I was like, whew, I wanted to, I just wanted to comment, send a DM. The natural thing. And then I said, he didn't revile in return. And I, and I look, and like looking back on that, I, I praised God because I was like, finally, 
he's starting to transform my heart. And that, and that's it. I think we ask, sometimes we ask the wrong question. Why do people believe this? I heard a guy, I had a guy once ask me, Malcolm, how can people who are Christians be pro-choice? Yeah. And that's not an easy, there's no easy answer to that. Yeah. Because I don't know what they've experienced in life. And oftentimes what we do is based off of experiences. Right. And, and certain ideologies we have are based off experiences. So we keep asking the wrong questions is why, why, why? And the question is who? Who are they following? What are they following? Not why. That's about, that's, that's fruit. That's right. the, we got to get down to the root of the issue. And so if we have women who feel like they're not valued, right? Who, who have they lifted up? What are they lifting up? Where do they get their value, their source of value from? Where do they get dignity from? Mm-hmm. And so if they're looking at men born in sin, shaped in iniquity to give them their value, at some point they're going to feel devalued because yeah. we're all going to mess up. So it's like, okay, no longer the why you feel like that, but what or who is causing you to feel like that? Yeah. You know, like let's, let's, let's get down to the deeper issue because I think whatever the sin is, there's a root cause to it. And then we got to start dealing with that. Yeah. And so the issue, so I think, here's the thing. We can talk about pro-life, pro-choice. We can get all deep into that. Yeah. Why would a, why engage in sex in a time you're not ready? Mm. Is it loneliness? Is it the desire to feel loved mm-hmm. and appreciated? Mm-hmm. So, see, the, the abortion, that's just the fruit of a deeper issue. Mm. And so I think too often we're we're dealing with fruit stuff right. and not root stuff. Right. And and I think we got to get to the point where we start talking about root. And the only way to do that is really sit down with people and get to know them. and get to know them and love them and yeah. not come with pre preconceptions of what right. they have to be yeah. or become. Yeah. But just love them. Just walk just, with them. Yeah. Who are you? Who do mm. you follow? What makes you feel empowered? Mm. You know, what makes you what gives you dignity? You know, who who is it that 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 was in your life that disappointed you? You know, what drives you to do what you're doing? Yeah. I'm not going to ask you why, why you believe that. that that's, 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 that's fruit. I, I get it. Yeah. But what caused you to get to that? Yeah. And I think when we start doing that, then we could truly love people. And then we understand how they think. I think yeah. that's the idea of dwelling with people. And we can't let our political differences stop us from dwelling with each other and get to know each other. Yeah. And I think also... This political issue has bled so much over into the church. We're having issues with each other. And we got to stop doing that. Yeah. We have to live out this oneness that Jesus prayed about in John 17. Because when we do that, then the world will know he was sent. And that's where the power comes from. There's something I was, I was talking to Claire about this when the ruling was leaked. And I said, I've been praying for this for a long time. Yeah. You know, that's just me personally, that uh, abortion would be limited <laughs> at least, mm-hmm. you know, because I you know, see that that is a child, you know, and that's how I view that. You know. And I said, but when they overturn it again, I'm still going to bless the Lord. 
and I'm going to bless the Lord now, and I'm going to bless the Lord then. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, this is just fruit. <laughs> what they, This is just the, the root of this thing. I'm not putting my hope in this because it'll change again. Right. I'm going to put my hope in, I'm going to try and engage people and love them in a new way because now that we've won, quote, unquote, this battle, right, how can we go and, and love them and their children? How can we walk alongside yeah. them? How can we be the hands and feet of Christ in their right. lives? How can we change the narrative right. of what Christians believe? Yeah. It's, it, so it's, as you're saying it, man, it, it is convicting because I'm thinking about how I've dropped the ball so many times, mm. getting caught up in the fruit. Mm-hmm. But even when you look at Scripture and see this, this battle, this war between good and evil, God and Satan as an attack and as a counterattack. Every time God does something, Satan does something else. Mm. So it, does, it, would, it shouldn't shock us. You know, okay, it's limited. That gets overturned. Now it's not. You know, it, yeah. That's how the enemy plays the game. Mm-hmm. We can't get distracted by that. We got to sit back and say, okay, if that really hurts me, why does it hurt me so much? Mm. Okay, that's not my view. I, I want to see life given. Okay, so it may be, okay, Lord. Send me someplace where I can love women who are going through this. Mm-hmm. You know, I can love women who are struggling with this, who've made certain decisions, who've done. Like, mm-hmm. if that's the burden you have, allow God to use that in a kingdom way. Mm-hmm. And I I'd mentioned earlier the magic of Google. <laughs> Type in Christian organizations that work. If you want to, if you want to put some of your money in it. Right. Fund ministries that are that are doing, doing this right now because Correct. maybe you say, I, you know, I don't have the time. You might not have the time, but you got, but you got the resources. You got the resources, and there are people who have dedicated their lives right to making the time. Yeah. We, that's that's the body of Christ. Yeah, we got to be the change, man. Mm. We got to be the change we want people to see and recognize. They may not always get it, but my labor is not in vain. Mm. You know what I mean? I got to realize that. Whatever I do unto the Lord, it's not going to be in vain. Mm. You know, in due season, I will reap a harvest if I faint not. And so I would say to the people of God, you know, whatever your politics, if you're liberal, if you're, you know, conservative, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. put Jesus first. Mm -hmm. That's right. Put Jesus first. And as you're putting him first, as you're doing a self-reflection, you figure out, okay, this this is what's really going on then move in that, live in that, but allow the truth of God's word to dictate what you're doing, not feelings. Mm. Let the truth of his word do it. Because too often we let the feelings get into it. You know, I got to go with truth. Sometimes feelings, we can't let our feelings master us because then we make bad decisions. That's right. They go against the truth of scripture. And if the truth, and the truth can sometimes be uncomfortable. And we have to be okay with that. Mm. Knowing that God's going to work it out. I think that's the perfect note to end on, man. Amen. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is a really great conversation. Thank you for tuning in to this production from Sandhills Media Ministry. This episode was produced and hosted by John Daybeck. Audio mixing and camera work by Sean Wigner. Post-production by Eric Wigner. Special thanks to our guest, Pastor Malcolm Walls. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us through liking, subscribing, and sharing on your social media. It does more than you know to fuel this project. If you'd like to know more about Sandhills, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, you can do so at sandhillschurch.org. 
If you enjoyed our song, it's Same Blood Instrumental by King's Kaleidoscope. <laughs>